Thank you so much for being here. Was that not good? Man. I just want to worship all day. Okay. And uh, one of these days that might actually happen. Uh, just according to what the Spirit's doing in the room. But you know, you never want to force anything. You just want to listen. That's all you want to do is just listen. And so, uh, again, welcome. Thank you for being here today. We are continuing in Romans. We're going to break off literally an entire, well, half of a chapter, which is a lot for us. Because, you know, we usually do verse by verse, one or two verses a Sunday. We've started the book of Romans back on the first of the year and creeping through it. And it's been very, very good. Extremely good. So, um... I'm sorry, real quick, I gotta do this. For, uh, just so you know why I did that, for whatever reason, that DI box gets a radio signal. So there's a radio playing up on stage while we're playing. It just, it's very distracting. So I just had to unplug that right there. <laughs> Anyways, we're going through the book of Romans, ladies and gentlemen. We're at a place now in chapter 9 that it can be a hot topic. It can be a place in Scripture where people kind of just want to jump over it because it's saying some things that seemingly could be a little bit uncomfortable to read. But the reason why it could be uncomfortable, I want to say this, is because I'm just going to jump off the top with this word, this word intimacy. All right? Been talking about that the past couple weeks. Right? That Paul, we see Paul get off of the pinnacle of basically the chapter, excuse me, the book of Romans saying to us, look, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. And then he jumps back in to this sorrow that he has for the state or the current condition of the nation of Israel. Um, and it's pretty deep. The only other time that we see, well, I can't say the only other time, but in, in Scripture you look for patterns, right? We also see, as we went through the book of Nehemiah some uh, two years ago, that uh, Nehemiah had a serious burden for Jerusalem and the state of Jerusalem at that current time. So what that burden did, it called him to action. It called him to go and want to build and not just say, oh, I'm sorry, and then two weeks later, it's just not on his mind anymore. So Paul, in essence, has this sorrow that also Moses had as he came down off the mountain um, and saw the people worshiping a golden calf. And he said to the Lord, as Paul says in the opening chapter, opening verses of chapter 9, let me be the one who stands in the gap. Don't punish these people, punish me. If your wrath is going to be put out on anybody, let it be put out on me. And then Paul begins to speak about uh, some of God's character and who he is. Now, verses 14 through 33, we're going to read all of it. And I'll never apologize for reading too much scripture on a Sunday. I won't do that. Because that's what we need to be doing, right? Y'all don't need to be hearing about my escapades or... <laughs> that's a weird word. I don't even know why that one came up. Like, what's wrong with me? I never use that word. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Uh, my weird analogies are things from my life. We just need to read scripture. Which is good. So we'll be reading a lot of that today. But the title of this message, I want to just challenge y'all this morning. It says, A Trustworthy Vessel. And something happened at the end of service, first service, that I believe is just going to help us roll right into this service, um, to what God is doing on this day with this group of people. What is a vessel? Something that carries something, right? And you're thinking to yourself, oh, pastor, yeah, we know you're going to refer to us as vessels. You're right. I am. Okay? I got to ask you this question. With what the Lord has given us, not only in the word from Genesis to Revelation, but in who I am is different than my mom, different than Opal, um, different than Rachel in the back. I mean, it's just different. But nonetheless, I'm a vessel. And I've been created to give and bring and just add to the environment, right? That environment, what I'm adding is strictly Jesus. I mean, I don't get lost. We don't get lost in that addition. But what comes out first, right? The question this morning, ladies and gentlemen, is can God trust you? That's a big question. Now, I want you to answer it, but at the same time, I don't want you to answer it. Because let's let Scripture answer it. Amen? Amen. 
you do need to ask yourself that question. Not only we are vessels, and are we a trustworthy vessel, but do you trust God in what he brings to you? That's another question that I want you to answer right now, and I want you to be honest with yourself. Do you trust what he gives, not only an impression that he puts on your heart, do you trust the word of God when he says what he says, that he's saying it the way he intended for it to be spoken? Are you with me this morning? Do you trust the way the Lord says, here's what I'm going to give you? Do you trust him to a place where you know he's not going to leave you without? You know he's not going to, hey, separate himself from you, okay? Separate himself, uh, his love from you. I want to make sure I say his love. Because guess what? Sometimes there's tough love, okay? <laughs> we can get into that. It's a whole nother message. I won't rabbit trail on that one. But I just, before we get into this, I just got to ask that. Because this set of scripture, in some translations of the word from, I mean, what seems like 500 AD up until now, they just omit it. They just don't read it. Because it can be so controversial in the sense that you take this thing called free will and then you read these scriptures and you're saying, how did, how did God just not choose me and then not choose someone else? And then he's up there just picking a, a select few to say, here are the ones who get to go into heaven and here are the ones who aren't. be honest with you, that doesn't sound like the God that I serve. It doesn't sound like him, like he would do that. And the answer, well, not answer, but another statement to that is, is, is yes, he is not that way. But what we're about to read, ladies and gentlemen, is in Scripture for a reason. It's in there for a reason. Sometimes things happen in, uh, happen in our lives that hurt us, that bring pain, right? And that thing is right here. And what we try to do is as we get close to something that looks like it's going to hurt us again, we just want to, you know, I'm good. I don't really need to whoop, deal with that anymore. And we can c continue to kind of skirt around the issue. Well, this scripture, we can't, can't just skirt around it. Like, what would it look like if I preached the first part of chapter 9, skip the latter part, and then go to chapter 10? Just, hey, don't want anybody to feel bad. So let's just move to the good stuff. Are you guys with me this morning? We're going to read this, and then I'm going to stop about halfway through. Because what we're going to do after that is we're going to look at other scripture that speaks about the character of Christ. Now the reason for that is this, ladies and gentlemen. Chapter 9 is not the only book of the Bible, or the only chapter of the Bible, right? Romans is not the only book of the Bible. The New Testament is not the only testament. We have 66 books, we got two testaments, we got so many different authors. This book was written on four different continents over a stretch of 1400 years. 44 different authors. If I have that number right, if Beck was here, he'd be nodding and shaking his head. By the way, he's in Colorado Springs preaching, so pray for him. Um, but what we have to do, ladies and gentlemen, is take the whole counsel of the word, from Genesis to Revelation, all 66 books, all of what it says about who Christ is, who God is, who the Spirit is. Guess what? Who you are, who I am, who we are, who Christ is in us. We've got to take the whole thing. You with me this morning? Yeah. Good. So let's do this. Let's just read. Um, let's do verse... Yeah, we're going to read verses 14 through 24. Just 10 verses, then I'm going to stop for a second. It says this, what, sh uh, what shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion, so that it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I raised you up, to demonstrate my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So then... He has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. 
Will you say to me then, why does he still find fault for who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this? Will it? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath to make his power known, endured with patience, much patience, vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon the vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us, whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles. It's kind of a lot there. It is. But what we see in verses 14 through 18, there's a chunk there. And then from 19 to 24, there's another statement about the character of Christ being made again. And from 14 to 18, we see some things that could be a little bit nerve-wracking. They can. Because you're saying to yourself... Am I one of those ones that he's had mercy on? Am I one of those ones who he's had compassion on? Or am I one of the ones who he's cut off and thrown into the fire? We'll get into that later in the latter chapters of Romans. I'm going to read it today. So I'm not saying you have to wait till 2034 to get there. Okay? But I do want to make this statement before we go to some other scripture here this morning. Is that when we don't understand something, when I don't understand something, it's human nature to take your human nature and plug the holes with it. Does that make sense? When we don't understand something supernaturally, we take the natural, we take the flesh, and we plug the holes saying, well, why don't we just love everybody? God is love, right? Yeah, he is. But you've got to understand what love is. Love is not accepting everything, okay? Sometimes, like I said earlier, tough love, right? And that's just one avenue. But I got to make this statement because as we read through this scripture, we have to understand something about understanding and faith and how those two work together. And I'm going to say it like this. Too often we try to understand something before we have faith in it. Did anybody do that in here? No? Too often we try to understand what God is saying to us in the moment before we just have faith in what he's unctioning us to do, giving us the unction to go and do. Too often I'm at the grocery store because I love food, okay? That's why. And he's asking me to talk to somebody in the aisle about Jesus and ask him, are you hurting? Let me pray for you. Too often I try to understand why he's trying to get me outside of my schedule and I'm hungry and I just want to buy something. I just want to go home and eat, but you need me to say something, so fine. I'll say it. <laughs> you try to understand it before you just have faith and go do it. There's been plenty of times where I've done that with people and in, in the aisle they just start bawling. They said, you're the first person who's noticed. You're the first person who's even asked if I need anything today. Or someone who says, yes, I just had somebody pass away. Or, I mean, you just go down the list. Years and years of that. Well, what about what you're going through right now in your life? Not having enough money, having enough money, not having a uh, stability in certain areas. I don't know. You just, you just name it. Do you understand the Lord is asking you to have faith in Him and what He says first? Understanding will come after that. You with me this morning? So do you trust God enough that what He says in His Word, you can have faith in that? And He will bring understanding to you when the time is right. Does that make sense this morning? Alright, that's good stuff. Now before we read on, verses 25 through 33, with the exception of 30 through 31, is quoting Old Testament scripture, quoting Isaiah, um, stuff that comes out of Hosea. Um, and it's basically all of quoting Isaiah. 
However, what I want to do before that is I want to turn over to Hebrews 6, 17 through 18. And I'm going to ask you again, do you trust this? Do you trust God when He says this to us? It says this, In the same way God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of His purpose. Catch that. Unchangeableness of His purpose. Uh, interposed with oh, <clears throat> excuse me, with an oath. So by two unchangeable things, nothing can raise itself up against the power of God. Okay, this is one of those things. Nothing can change this. Unchangeableness. Verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Can I get an amen that God can't lie? You know what I'm saying? I mean, think about that. Anything he's ever told you that was from him, he meant it. Okay? You're strong. You're courageous. Have faith. I mean, just, let's just go down the list. He means it, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not for... How do I say this? It's for you. It's not for you to take and say, oh, well, they, it's for the person next to me. I'll pray for them. But for me, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know if, don't know if I can receive that this morning. Okay, well, he'll put you in a place where you, you're going to receive something. All right? Sometimes that place isn't so fun to sit in. But you find yourself without and at the bottom and at rock bottom to where all you can do is receive. And he'll give it. But by two unchangeable things, one of those being that he cannot lie. Amen. Amen. If that's the case, let's, let's look at something else in Scripture here. Before I go there, let me say this though. If he can't lie, what did we read in Romans 8, 31? If God is for us, who can be against us? He ain't lying. <laughs> he ain't lying. Verse 28 of chapter 8. There's nothing on this earth that can separate us from the love of God. He is not lying. Do you trust him when he says that to you? Because he trusts you, believe it or not, to communicate that in every situation to every individual that you come in contact with. Are you with me this morning? Luke 9, 56. Let's get that one up there. Now this is a part of a story here. Uh, yeah, there you go. It's the back end of a story where two disciples are walking with Jesus to Jerusalem and in short, Jerusalem doesn't receive Jesus. So these disciples get heated, right? Like I would do that. No, Starbucks doesn't want to receive Luke. I'd get heated. I would go and talk to Starbucks and be like, you are wrong. Okay? Oh, give this man a venti whatever. Okay? <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. But that's what happened. These two guys get heated. They go from zero to 100 like right away and say, Lord, what should we do? We should call down fire and brimstone on these people. And this is Jesus' response. He says, but he turned and rebuked them. <laughs> awesome. And he said, you do, not, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. 56, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. He's not lying. Do you trust him? That when he says something to you, he means it. And that his purpose, his unchangeable purpose for you is to build you up and not to tear you down. This world is to tear you down. This world is to show you that you don't look the right way, you don't sound the right way, you don't have the right clothes, you don't even... Pray enough, or worship enough, or talk to God enough. There's, there's some of that that's seeped into the church. But what the Lord is saying, man, I'm here to build you up. So if we take, all, we take that all back to, to, to Romans 9, and we see that he's making comments about, I will show mercy to who I want to show mercy, and I will show compassion to who I want to show compassion. And he even brings out, I harden Pharaoh's heart for the sake of my glory coming through. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes it is not our job to understand why God does what he does, but to trust that he is perfect 
in everything that he does. You want me to tell you why he hardened Pharaoh's heart? I have no clue. I don't. All I know is that he did it for his glory and it worked. And anything that he does, every decision that he makes, everything that he says to us, it's going to work. What we have to do, ladies and gentlemen, on Luke 9.23, every Sunday, you hear it? Deny yourself. Cut it off. Let the flesh fall away. Let Jesus come in and replace. Are you with me today? Okay. So from verses 19... Well, let me just go back up to verse 14 real quick. Um, there's, a, there's a place here in verse 16, excuse me, where it says, So then it does not depend on uh, the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. It's saying this, that it does not depend on a man's inward desire to be righteous. It doesn't even depend on a man's outward expression or um, active effort or exertion of effort to come into righteousness. Now he's speaking to Israel who did everything by the letter of the law. Saying, I want to, I can be righteous if I just X, Y, Z. I can be righteous if I just, you know, come to church. If I raise my left hand a couple times during the chorus, I can be righteous. And he's saying, no, there's nothing you can do to get this mercy. The Lord just gives it, ladies and gentlemen. But I love how it's spoken here. It's not spoken in a, uh, the context of, an, uh, of negativity. It's spoken in the context of positivity. Alright? And it's spoken like... Well, coming across the table in a negative sense would, would say like this. I show no mercy except on who I want to. And I show no compassion except on who I choose to. But you understand what he's saying is I show mercy on whom I show mercy. I give compassion. He is a God of mercy and he is a God of compassion. I'm trying to communicate to you this morning that's his nature to be that. So he operates out of his nature 100% of the time. Now when it comes to hardening Pharaoh's heart, the question is, does God make people evil? That's a tough one. Does God make people evil? Well, just as we take the definition, I think the definition of, uh, let me back up just a little bit. Light drives out darkness, amen? You can't hold darkness, come into a light room, and all of a sudden the light scurries away. It just doesn't work that way. You come into a dark room with a match, with your phone, okay? Screen, too bright. And it drives out the darkness. You can see things, right? Well, that means that the definition of darkness is the absence of light. Not that darkness is in of itself something. It's the absence of something. What about evil? If God is everything that is good, I don't know if it's, it's God that creates evil. And may, I might have to get corrected on that in the future. I might. But I know this. That the absence of the Lord is evil. The absence of good is something that obviously isn't good, which is evil. Okay? So did he make Pharaoh evil? I don't know. Did he harden his heart on purpose? It says that he does. But here's what I want to propose to you today by way of Romans 1. That I believe that the Lord won't separate himself from our love, but he can take a step back and say, if you desire something so much... I'm going to give it to you. And you will see how it's not enough. And you will see how it's just insufficient. And you will fall flat on your face, but guess what? I'm still going to be there. <laughs> I'm going to pick you right back up and brush you off. I'm going to send you down the road. I'm going to walk with you down the road, but I'm going to send you down the road. Amen. You with me this morning? Here's how that looks. That's called unbelief. When you step away from the Lord, it's unbelief. That's all it is. But if we just move over to Roman, uh, Romans, wow, Romans 1, okay? Don't laugh, Opal, don't laugh. Okay. In verse 18 and 19, it talks about unbelief and its consequences. I'm just going to read those two verses real quick. It says, for the wrath of God, hear that, for the wrath of God. I don't ever want to mess with the wrath of God. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who suppresses the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them. You know what that means? All creation has been exposed to God. There's really no excuse to not know that he exists. There's really no excuse to not know that he is omnipotent, that he created those mountains. That, I can't believe I'm saying this, I watch a lot of those weird space shows at night, like, are there UFOs and crazy stuff like that? The, you know, the universe. And it's just interesting, and I'm whatever on that, but when you see the vastness of space and the stuff that they find out there, it's like, how can there not be intelligent design? You're telling me all that was created by just some atoms smacking into each other? How come that's not still happening then? It's because God created everything. Amen. And it's all been revealed to us. So unbelief is a serious thing. Because when you choose actively to go the other direction, oh, man, that's something. That's convicting, right? Here's what the Lord says. When you choose to go the other direction so many times, verse um, 24, Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. Verse 26, For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. Verse 28, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. See, the Lord, in His tough love for us, His love for us, says in the back end of 28, He will not separate Himself from, us, from His love, us from His love. He's not going to separate us from Him, but He will create some distance. And that's what those scriptures are saying. I'll give you over to the things that you're asking for, just so that you'll see. Just so that you will have some kind of understanding that, look, it's not as good as you think it is. Why don't you come on back? Are you with me this morning? So what about this question that keeps getting asked? And I got to say this, like, let's look at the scripture for what it is and not automatically start questioning and asking this, that, and the other thing, and bringing all these things into the conversation that don't even need to be there. That's why I feel like we get off on all of these tracks, and my dad is always telling me, boy, you don't need to be asking questions you don't need to be asking. And he's been preaching for 25 years, and I'm like, oh, well, sh you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sometimes I do that, sometimes I don't. But he's always telling me, you, don't, you just don't need to be asking those questions. What's the point? There is no point. Other than, here's what it says. Can we not take what it says and apply it without having to add our stuff to it? Amen. See, if God created you and I for advancing and not... Well, let me just let me take you to Jeremiah 29, 11. I don't want to say it my way. Let me say it the Word's way. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for war, uh, welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Amen. I don't know how often I say this, but what else do you need? Okay, we can sit on that one for a while. He is about the business of adding to you. So in verses 19 through 24, speaking of... Who are you to answer back to the Lord? Who am I to say, God, why did you make me like this? <laughs> why, oh, why am I going through what I'm going through? In essence, he's saying, I appreciate the question, but just rephrase it. Just rephrase it, because your, your, your emotions are not um, irrelevant to the Lord. However, he doesn't want you to lead with them. He's just saying, look, ask me... What are you trying to do through this instead of why are you doing this to me? How are you trying to get me on top of my situation instead of, Lord, why are you pushing me down so much? His plans for you are for welfare and not for calamity. Do you trust that? Are you with me this morning? So, 
Again, we have these scriptures saying he's going to choose. He's going to have mercy on who he wants. He's going to harden who he wants. Well, uh, thank God if I'm the one who he chooses to have mercy on. I mean, that's the truth. But am I the one who gets cut off so that someone else can get grafted in? Or am I the one getting grafted in so while someone else got cut off, like I have a big heart, I don't want someone else to be cut off and just hanging out there while I get all this stuff. Like, let's just, let's do this together, you know. Come on, let's all be one happy family. The Lord speaks to the church at Rome through Paul concerning that very issue. I gotta just encourage you guys this morning. Just keep reading. Like you got questions, just keep reading. Because it will make itself known. The answer will make itself known through Scripture. The Lord will make Himself known through the Word of God. Amen? So let's turn to Romans 8. Uh, excuse me, Romans 11. 17 through 27. And it speaks specifically to this man, did, did, did the Lord cut somebody off and they'll never be able to get back? Is, I mean, what kind of character is that? What kind of character trait is that of a God that we serve? Uh, and he speaks to that. He, he, he gets at that. And it says this in verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. It is not my job to tell God who he is. It is God's job to tell me. And he tells me every day. Now this grafting in business is about this adoption thing that we talked about a while ago. Adoption as sons. He's grafting us in to the root which is him as branches. Okay? So we get that. And let's continue in this. Verse 19 it says, You will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in? And here's Paul's response. Here's God's uh, God-breathed response through Paul. Quite right. He says, yes. Man, okay, well, keep reading. It'll help us out. They were broken off for their unbelief, which we saw what unbelief God will do with it in chapter 1. He doesn't separate himself from somebody, but he will give you over to those desires if you choose to continue in unbelief. Uh, does that make sense? Scripture is interpreting Scripture here. I love it. See that? Jesus. Just like, ow! Jesus. We want to get it. <laughs> I love it. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited. But fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Saying this, if you continue in your unbelief, he'll do the same thing to you that he did to those people who he cut off. Or stepped back from, or gave over to their sinful nature. Okay? Uh, verse 22, behold then the kindness and severity of God to those who fell severity. But to you, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Verse 23. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief. So here's, here he's saying, okay, those who got cut off, I want you to understand something. That's the they we're talking about here. And they also, if they do not um, continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Thank God. Oh, that just like quiets my heart right there, right? So you're telling me I can get cut off. I can be given over because of my unbelief. But when I get up out of the pig trough, come to my senses like the prodigal son, and go home, and from a ways off, the father sees me, he doesn't even care what I've squandered and just says, my son was lost, but now he's found. That is all Christ cares about. Amen. He cannot side with sin. He can't. So he will give us over to that, but he's saying, look, I am standing here with my arms wide open. The moment you come back, you grafted right back in. Amen. Hallelujah. 
I've got to read the rest of this. Verse 24. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Our nature, ladies and gentlemen, is of the flesh. But we are grafted into a supernatural nature. That's the contrast in olive trees there. Alright, I want you to understand that. That the Lord took us out of our sinful nature and said, let me adopt you into the family by my blood. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lots of scripture to read, my goodness. Let's get back to Romans 9. And I'm going to read 25 through the end of the chapter so we can get it. Just so you know, there's a lot of quoting the Old Testament here. Um, there's... If you want to jump into your Bible, there's references for this thing all over the place. It's all in Isaiah. Some of it's in Isaiah 10. Uh, some of it's in the first chapter of Isaiah. Some of it's in Isaiah 28. But here we go. Uh, as it also says in Hosea, I will call those who were not my people, my people. And her who was not beloved, my beloved. And it shall be that in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, it's the remnant that will be saved. For the Lord will execute his word on the earth thoroughly and quickly. And just as Isaiah foretold, unless the Lord of Sabaoth, sorry, Sabaoth, had left to us a posterity, we would have become like Sodom and would have resembled Gomorrah. What shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. We're going to come back to that. But as though it were by works, they stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. So we got in Hosea saying, the Lord saying, I'm going to call those who are not my people, my people. And then Isaiah, he's saying those... Uh, and it shall be in the, the place where it said to them, you are not my people, those will be called the sons of the living God. And the reason for that is all in verse 32. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. Jerusalem, not Jerusalem, the Israelites, excuse me, Paul's sorrow is coming from a place of the Israelites missing the Messiah. Missing him. Missing all of what that represented. Why? Because they're still trying to attain righteousness through works. And there, the, the, the scripture is speaking to us that the Gentiles, just by faith alone, came into this righteousness uh, and it wasn't by works. So, all of that to say this, that ladies and gentlemen, I gotta say this the right way. I asked you some questions at the beginning of this service. Say, not only can you ask, God, or God is asking you, can He trust you as a vessel to go and just communicate the word without all of this other stuff? But also, do you trust Him in what He says to you? That He's saying, all I need you to do is have faith work first. And there is no way that you can work yourself to a place of righteousness with Him. Do we understand that back half? Alright? Um, here I am saying, you don't need to understand, and then I ask you, do you understand? That's weird. But if you understand it, guess what? It's going to come out in your actions. If you understand it, it's going to come out in your speech. If Jesus is in you, that's what's going to come out. If you say you love Him, that's just what's going to come out. Alright? If you say you follow him, that's what's going to come out. Amen? Amen. Um, so here's, here's what I think we are going to do. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up here. Uh, and then get prepared for our offering. But I think that there's, a, there's, a, there's another word 
or a call, I believe, that uh, is going to come from Rick this morning. It happened first service, and I just believe that it's very important um, for you guys to get the same opportunity. So let's get prepared for offering. I'm going to have Rick come up here in a little bit. You guys can come forward. Father, thank you for what you're doing this morning. Lord, we just ask for uh, just your will to be done in this time. And Lord, do we trust you when you tell us uh, in Malachi that 10% is the radical minimum. That's not what we need to stretch to get to. Lord, oftentimes we say we can't afford to give. Well, Lord, you tell us in response, we can't afford not to. Because your principles are, there's truth in them. Your promises, there's truth in them. And Father, when we take you seriously at your word, you bless your children beyond compare. And Lord, we want to give to you this morning just being obedient. And I pray that what's given is given joyfully. Lord, so that we can continue to do what we do here. But Lord, more so, so we, we can advance. So we can go forward. Or so we can grow. I pray for all of that. Father, we love you. We thank you. Bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Rick. I'm going to have to use your microphone. Because that just died. Okay. Go ahead and do what you need to do right there. Okay. One of the... Now, some of us that... We struggle with... Our, we ourselves getting things from the Word. Other people get it. Uh, Alex gets it. People around us, man, they get they come and talk to us, and they get so much out of the Bible. And yet, it's like when we read it, it's like, wait a minute, I'm looking for that, I'm hoping for that. But when I read it, so many times, it's just I read it because I'm supposed to. I read it because it's a good thing to do. But I don't come away with revelation, and we think that something's wrong with us. And it's very personal that sometimes we don't even want to confess it to somebody else because we don't want to seem like we're, we're disobedient or uh, we're, we're, we're hard-hearted. And that's not the problem. Jesus, at the, toward the end of the book of Luke, in chapter 24, it says that he says to them the word, it's a testimony of the prophets that he shared that with them. And then it says that he opened their mind to understand the scripture. He opened what was uh, for them in that new nature that in believing in him they get. So if you're in a spot today where you're like that, you may be a Christian a long time. Uh, you may be a new believer. You may be in between. But there is something about this where God wants you to have what he purchased for you. He wants you to be able to get the revelation of the Word of God directly for you. Not that you stand outside the court while somebody gets it in his presence and delivers it to you. So if that's the case for you today, God wants to change that today. And it doesn't mean you work harder, or you read more, or you study, you just really, really put yourself to it. No, there's something that has to change on the inside. He wants to give to you what he purchased for you. And that is to understand the word of God. Does that make sense? I run into so many Christians, they read it, then they got to go read Joe Blow's book, and this commentary and that. And those as resources, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying in the absence of our own being able to receive from God, that's not right. That's not what he has for you. So if that's the circumstance for you, 
And man, I had to come at first hour to come up here. I, and I'm willing to do that. Because sometimes with my kids, you have to fight for them. All right? You have to fight with them to fight for them. Man, I'm willing to fight you on this one. I'm not making you do anything. I'm just saying our own experience sometimes keeps us from responding because we're afraid. Okay, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to get prayer. And tomorrow if it happens again, I'm really going to be disappointed. See, that, that's the opposite of faith. So this call today is to respond. Do you have to come forward or it doesn't work? I'm not saying that. But sometimes just getting up out of our chair and moving forward is an act of faith. So this morning, if that's your circumstance, you just have a tough time receiving the revelation of the Word of God. I just want you to get up out of your seat. And don't wait till I say it three times. I just want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to come on down. Don't let this happen to you anymore. That makes sense? Oh, there's more than one. <laughs> there's more than one. Come on. Come on down. Don't, don't put up with this anymore. This is not for you. Come on, Jesus. Just come on. come on. Just stand up. Whether you're upstairs, whether you're downstairs, just come on up. There's more, there's more than one little saint here. All right? I'm going to wait for you. Because this piece has been ripping off the body of Christ as if it's okay. It's not okay. God's not mad at you. He's not disappointed with you. He just has something for you more than what you think. I just want you to come on down. All right? I just want you to come on down. All right? And you can get get right down here. Come up close. All right? Get up close and personal here. You can stand. You can get on your knees. You can do whatever you want to do. All right? Yeah. Anybody else? Come on, Father. Uh, come on, Father. I will, I, will, I will wrestle you this morning. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> I'm an old guy. I will, I will do a tug of war with you. Because you cannot know him if you cannot experience him in his word. You cannot know him. He wants to show you who he is. Every time you go to that word, he wants to tell you about himself. Man, that's the only reason I read the Bible. Is that God tells me about himself. I don't have to figure him out. I don't have to work it out. And I'm a recipient. I'm a child of God. If this is you, then come on up. Jesus. I'm going to wait one more second, all right? Yeah. I can't believe it's just four up here, all right? I'm not saying it's everybody's problem. I'm just saying you've had it for a while. Man, get rid of it. It's yeah. time to get rid of it. Let's do this right quick. Father, we just come mm -hmm. against any of the flesh that's in the, in the room, yes. any hesitation that's in the room that would cause us, Father, to miss this call. That would cause us to not respond, Lord. Um, that's, that's chatter that comes from the enemy. That is a voice that is not of you, Lord. Because why would you not want to be able to speak directly to us, Father? That's your purpose. So, Lord, anything that is speaking to us that is not of you in this moment, that is saying, you know what, I don't need to go up there. Lord, we come against that. But, Lord, here's what I do pray. That, Lord, you get us right where we're at. That the ministry might not be up front. But it's right in the seat that we are. That you're saying right now that I'm going to get you no matter where you go. But Lord, here's what I do pray. Is that you allow something to happen to the extent that will get our attention. Yes. Allow something to happen to the extent that will make us get up out of our seat. Father, that might be this morning. But Lord, that might be in the parking lot outside. That might be on the way home. That might be in a dire circumstance where we finally realize, Father, we need to hear directly from you. So I just pray against anything that yes. is not of you today. Yes. And ask for more. In Thank Jesus. you, Lord. Hey, man, why don't you, if, where you're ever at, man, stretch your hands out to these people. Man, just pray with us. Father, we, in Jesus' name, we just come before you. The Father, the body of Christ, my little toe is as connected to my brain as my nose. It's intimately connected with the, my head. And that's where you have us, Lord. And I just am heartbroken over the suffering of saints as they struggle with the word. It breaks my heart. It breaks the heart of Christ. And that's why he came. He came as Emmanuel. He came as God with us. And man, he took, he breathed on those 
those believers and he gave them the spirit and he father opened their minds opened our understanding gave to those believers what is that part of being a new creation so I thank you father I just thank you that 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 fog of feeling stupid that fog of feeling something's wrong with me God is it goes right now the father in Jesus name that they will just receive in their heart I Lord have been given the mind of Christ I have been given a new life a new I'm a new creation in Christ and from that father is the intimacy with you that I'm not on the outside looking in but father who I am father as I am on the inside and I have access to you that access father is to say that father I'm to able to go in to the holy of holies I'm able to be welcomed there because of Christ's blood and the father that fellowship father is that I would know you and in knowing you father what happens is father I become father that vessel that can bring to the world not what I think but not what pastor Joe says but I father I can bring with the spirit of God puts on my heart for that person and there's no better thing that I bring but that the, I bring the word of God to them because my emotions my hurt for them my hope for them won't get it done but father that word father it's it's powerful and it's double-edged and father it's able to separate the thoughts from the intents the soul from the spirit and say what father to do what no human thought or reasoning can do and so father we just thank you for those the father come forward we thank you for those praying we thank you for a body that's healthy lord and father every part the little toe and our nose our pancreas and father that little part behind my knee of the body of christ is all connected to the head and all able to see receive the life that he is in jesus name amen yes jesus let's stand to our feet as we close this morning and sing this to him there is power in the name of jesus there is power in the name of jesus there is power in the name of jesus to break every chain Break every chain, break every chain. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. There is power in Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. For God, the bonds that have been broken today and the fact that we can go and live free now. We don't have to return to the old stuff anymore. So, Lord, allow us uh, to not refer to the old, but behold, you're doing a new thing. So we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. You guys are free to go.